0: This is Tyler Higby and you're listening to Roster Watch.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert. Super excited to be back here with you as we have version 2.0 of the PPR Rosterwatch cheat sheet now up at Rosterwatch.com. And uh, just coming out of Memorial Day, Byron, you'll notice, not at his general um, studio location back in the great state of Texas. Byron, what the hell's going on, brother?
0: Oh man just uh visiting with the folks for a little bit here uh, celebrating the old 39th birthday and met my brand new baby niece for a few minutes the other day so staying uh, staying busy but uh uh trying to enjoy some time with with everybody after it's been kind of a long run here We haven't been able to see anybody so
1: now now you um we have we have Saperstud in the in the comments saying something about Mike. I don't know if that's an issue. Let us know if that's an issue with one of our mics or whether you you know what, what, what the hell you're trying to say there. Of course, we're we're streaming here on Periscope and on YouTube. If you're watching there, if you could please give us a thumbs up and leave a comment, we would certainly appreciate that. And make sure to uh, like and subscribe there. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please please please. Uh, leave us a rating and a review there. We'd be greatly appreciative of that as we tick up over 600, hopefully. Uh, We would like that. I think we're like 596 right now. If we get above 600, I would go to bed tonight feeling super happy. Um, My Saber said saying no. He said that his boy Mike D signed in. So he's he's not talking about one of our mics. (laughs) All right. With that being said, we have version 2.0 of the cheat sheet now up and available. The magical, uh, mystical, mythical roster watch cheat sheet available to our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. I am going to start off the pod by running a simulation because something has happened, Byron, with the Fantasy Pros mock draft wizard that I know many people use. We certainly use it as a a, a big tool as far as testing this thing because you can draft against. Look at this, Byron. Look at what all we have down here. We now have ADPs pulled in from uh, four different sites, plus the Fantasy Pros Composite ADP. We have ESPN, we have Fantracks, we have RT Sports and Fantasy Football Calculator, as well as the Best Ball Average Draft Position. So that's the Best Ball uh, FFPC and uh, Best Ball Tens. We also now, this is new today, the ESPN pre-draft rankings have been pulled in to this as well. So we are going to have to, uh, <laughs> this guy Johnny says, what's What's up, Adam and Byron? <laughs> uh, okay. What's up, John? I figured my name. I, I figured my name would be easier to remember than yours, Byron. People always call you Byron or Brian. I've I've never had somebody mix up my name with an Alex and an Adam. Um, I had somebody call me trash man in the comments section. The <laughs> you must have made you feel like shit. I, 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 I would never want to be a uh, be referenced as a trash man. All right. But it, but it, anyway, so a big deal here. We're getting it to where now we not only have the mock draft data here from fantasy pros, which really, really does help a lot. But we also have all these composite ADPs, the composite best ball ADPs. And now the pre-draft rankings at Yahoo and ESPN, the two biggest fantasy providers that. You know, when you're in your queue, uh, the dumbasses in your league are going to be relying on that. So having to uh, having to pull those things in, pretty important. Whenever we look at it, look at an overall picture. I'll just do this first simulation here. I'll randomize my initial draft order uh, to seventh. This will be a PPR snake draft with 12 teams. The starting rosters will have one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, and then two flex of either a wide receiver, running back, tight end. Six bench spots. I'm not going to draft a kicker or defense. We will always just draft those two positions with our last two picks. And Byron, this could be a disaster. Um because this has changed since since the last time that I've run a mock. So maybe this'll, you know, if this doesn't go well, it'll give us some things that we can concentrate on with the um with the with the actual with the actual uh structure. So um let's just get to it. We'll start at this mock draft i'll use the 2.0 test one and let's just see what happens here byron you can tell me any thoughts that you have as we sort of go along here we have uh we have some comments in the chat john ryan saying what's up fellas appreciate your work Help me get the championship trophy last year love to hear it love to hear already it. To
0: getting hear it. that thing signed up buddy
1: yeah Okay, so uh, this this is this is different. Uh, pick seven. We're going to take Derrick Henry here at the very beginning. Rumblings with some in the fantasy community that Derrick Henry, uh, running back, possibly running back two in standard leagues, with some people's initial ranks. How how would you feel about that?
0: Uh, to me, he seems like a guy who's maybe been a little bit undervalued so far in this process, this offseason, in a in a in a peculiar way.
1: We have generally not gotten a lot of this. So this this draft is going to be different, I think, Byron, because I haven't gotten much of Derrick Henry. I haven't gotten much of this guy, Nick Chubb, either. So this could be the ESPN rankings coming in and sort of swindling some of our ADP stuff here. We'll just have to kind of see how it goes. Um, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, though, certainly not a bad start here. Odell Beckham here with our third pick. This is probably not, probably not looking too bad. Uh, Chris Carson, a guy who we're going to have to kind of Talk about here, whether we like in the mid-fourth round quite as much as we talked about previously, just with some of the s- swirlings going around there with the signings of various players, et cetera, et cetera. We can talk about that later, whether or not we need to kind of bump him back down. But Chris Carson, is you're running back three, certainly don't hate it. It looks like we're going to end up getting Terry. We would have a choice here between like a Terry McLaurin, uh, Stephon Diggs, T.Y. Hilton. I'd actually like to write all those guys down. McLaurin. Diggs and hilton because with the with what's happened here um i I, th- I think i think we need to i think we need to have a conversation with those guys because in this situation i'm not sure i would be taking terry mclaurin here even though the sheet is instructing me to do so um let's see what we get next it looks like we're going to be able to get camp acres as our number four running back here which just feels like an absolute steal at this point and we will get our number three wide receiver as just continuing to – we're getting so much Will Fuller. So much Will Fuller. Uh, when You good. can get him here in the one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, the mid-seventh round, it does it does feel incredibly good uh, to get him there. And we're backfilling – the sheet is ha- helping us with backfilling some of these wide receivers because we're gonna get, end up getting Darius Slayton here. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like Keyshawn Vaughn is going to continue following to us here in the eighth round and that's unfortunate we made a promise to ourselves byron we remember we were not going to get too high on that guy um that's another guy i'd like to just write down and see where you're exactly comfortable with because that's changed uh this is great to get deontay johnson uh here at uh where was that was that the ninth end of the ninth round or kind of mid end ninth round i mean you're hearing people start to talk about him like he is uh I mean, there, there's some bold takes out there with people talking about that they like Deontay Johnson next year better than Juju Smith-Schuster. Deontay Johnson earlier this week telling reporters that he was injured starting in week two of last season. Looks like we're going to take a flyer here on CeeDee Lamb, uh, not getting a lot of him, but this is just – I guess this is just what happens whenever these, whenever these drafts have sort of, sort of changed up here a little bit. Preston Williams um, – Look at this. This is interesting. Austin Hooper falls here at the very end. And I don't like Austin Hooper. We've not been getting that much of him. We have a choice, though, between him and Aaron Rodgers. Would you rather just take the quarterback here or would you think that Rodgers might fall? And if we don't get him, we at least get some other kind of, you know, Carson Wentz or, you know, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, something like that.
0: I'd consider passing on both. But if it's between those two, I'd probably take Rodgers.
1: I think I'm going to take Hooper and just see what we get left with it. At at, yeah, because if we do that, we can just get Carson Wentz here. I'm fine with that. And then uh, just take a flyer here at the very last pick and go with Mr. Nikhil Harry. So that team, it looks like with the ESPN stuff getting pulled in, uh, there could be some of, the, some of those mid-round running backs might need to get pulled up a little bit. Some running backs in the area of Odell Beckham, and DJ Moore might need to get sort of pulled up a little bit because uh, well, I love the four running backs that I have, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Cam Akers, I'm going to – I don't want to be – like I feel like with these teams, the structure of these teams, we need five running backs uh, for, for this structure. We didn't end up getting it, so that's just going to require more testing. Like we always say, the sheet is a living, breathing document. We continue to work on it. Now that we have ESPN pre-draft rankings being pulled in, that's obviously thrown a small bit of a wrench and a little bit of the structure in those parts that we've mentioned. I want to get back to those parts. But before we do, I know that you were doing simulations. You've been taking some notes. Uh, Let's get to some of your thoughts, concerns, (laughs) ideas. um, And then I can kind of get back to you about my two specific questions that I made note of just during that simulation.
0: I mean, first things first, I think that's a pretty nice haul in that simulation. I
1: Yeah, I I, I do, too. I just – I mean, let's just read it over again because that people might not – I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, Carson – so the running backs are Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Cam Akers. The wide receivers are Odell Beckham, Terry McLaurin, Will Fuller, Darius Slayton, Deontay Johnson, CeeDee Lamb, Preston Williams, Nikhil Harry. The tight end is Austin Hooper. The quarterback is Carson Wentz. The structure of this sheet, of this sheet needs to – the structure of this sheet – with the addition of the ESPN pre-draft rankings needs to bump a few of these running backs up in the Odell Beckham area of the sheet. And also in the Darius. like we need to get, we need to get like, guys like Keyshawn Vaughn or some of these guys who are, or these values that we were taking. Darius guys needs to come up to where Darius Slayton is. I would have liked to have taken Darius guys instead of Darius Slayton. That would have made well, the i I could I could actually go back and do that if i if it's I wanted to
0: say that because we've touched on so many guys here that I wanted to talk about today just in the course okay. of this one simulation. I actually think guys currently might be a guy that we're a little bit too high on and and you know, and then I look at this, Alex, if you start pushing all those running backs up, it looks to me it appears to me like we would have come away fairly thin at wide receiver unless you plan on pushing wide receivers up at other junctures in the draft. Now, to me, the only area here where, I would have tried to exercise some personal discretion is since you had Chubb already, I think with Beckham on the, uh, in the queue, I probably would have just pivoted to the next wide receiver on the list behind Beckham. Just
1: And, to and, and maybe dip, that's another thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had another thought I was going to ask you, but to, you to kind of
0: divvy things up there. So I don't have too much exposure to Cleveland. And of course I think the same thing could have applied uh, to Hooper, there a little bit later, Alex. But uh, as you mentioned, I've been running some simulations and just uh, taking some general notes today. I wanted to get to some tight end talk and some value wide receiver talk. Like I mentioned, fortunately, uh, a lot of these players just came into uh, discussion right here in this simulation to open the podcast. So I think first things first, a little bit of house cleaning. Let's begin, Alex. You teased it. I mean, how much does the signing of Carlos Hyde affect Chris Carson? I mean, Carlos Hyde is returning from a torn labrum. Reports are that he should be ready, you know, by the early portion of the season. Uh, So I guess my question is, especially in the PPR format, since this is the PPR cheat sheet, Alex, is the signing of Carlos Hyde enough to slide Le'Veon Bell ahead of him, given how much hype uh, Le'Veon and lip service Le'Veon's been giving to the uh, Jets' new interior offensive line recently. You know, in addition to signing and, right and, and and and, and exactly, and, just, and and just in in the PPR format here. Just I it yes. also with the idea yes. that we've started to get more bullish on the Seahawks wide receiver versus ADP tells me that we don't want to get too low on Carson, but tells me we should consider sliding Le'Veon over Chris Carson at this. Yes,
1: point. we should absolutely. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make so I'm gonna start the 2.1 update right now because there are some changes that I need to make. And when I do that, we're going to move Le'Veon. The only question is, yeah, I it, it 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 made me feel like shit just there to take Chris Carson. So we're going to get him down. Would you rather have um what what would you do if a decision came down to Le'Veon Bell, AJ Brown, or
0: Patrick Mahomes? Does that seem sensible? Yeah, I I would take Bell or Mahomes. A reminder too, since we're talking about the PPR sheet here, Alex. Le'Veon Bell in 15 games played last year, 78 receptions. We've got to yeah. remember that so much of the Jets' season was derailed by Darnold missing the first portion of the season with the mono, and then you know, the offensive line was bad. I really do think we might get the bounce on these Jets, specifically Le'Veon Bell, a little bit this year. So I think when we're talking PPR, this is a this is a a, um, a sound strategic move to go ahead and push him up over Chris Carson with this news of the recent signing of Carlos Hyde uh, there in Seattle.
1: I, I All right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And also with the, it's not, it's not just Carlos Hyde, right? What bothers us about Carlos Hyde being signed is what the team is telling us about what they feel about Chris, about the health of Chris Carson or Rashad Penny. I'm not necessarily worried about, uh, I probably am a little bit worried about just the body, the man, Carlos Hyde, you know, him, him taking a little bit of work away. What's most concerning to me about Carlos Hyde signing, though, is the fact that they likely would not have done that if there wasn't some shred of concern about the depth that they're going to have at running back. And if there's concern about the depth they're going to have at running back, that that doesn't bode well for dude coming off. What was it? A hip injury that he had? Chris Carson? Was it a yeah, hip?
0: I don't know. I think that's more a reflection of. The situation with Penny, but, but, but we saw at the end of the year, they want a little bit of a committee. I mean, they, Penny started to get some action there before he got hurt. If Hyde Hyde is the guy that he was last year, I mean, I think the Seahawks have every intention as the season progresses to get both those guys involved. Carson would still be the lead guy. Now, I think you can make the argument. Carson comes out of the gate hot and fast early in the season. We like fast starters. That's it. We're not going to get too low on Chris Carson. You get him as RB three in these simulations. That's just fine. I just think when we're talking PPR, we're talking about seventy. You want Le'Veon? On last year, yeah. it's time to slide Le'Veon Bell up yep. just yep. a hair. On yeah. him. He
1: should have. He he should have been all along. He should have been all along. And as long as we're just talking about that part of the sheet, I didn't like taking Odell Beckham there over DJ Moore. Do you think DJ Moore should be ranked ahead of Odell Beckham straight up?
0: Not sure, man. I I. I'd probably still take Odell there given if I hadn't already drafted Nick Chubb I would have been just fine sliding to Moore if if that was the you know since I'd already had Chubb I want to make a little executive decision there not to have too much exposure to the Browns I I, I worry a little bit about DJ Moore with Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel uh, McCaffrey soaks up a lot of targets I, I I don't know I think putting Robbie Anderson in that mix, Muddies the water a little bit for DJ Moore.
1: Okay, that's
0: fair. Yeah, I, I mean, and
1: it is Odell Beckham.
0: And you're still you're still worried about a slow recovery. We'll talk about Jarvis a little bit later, but you're still I know you're still worried a little bit about a slow recovery there for Jarvis. To me, that points to potential early season, you know, uh, prosperous start for Odell Beckham in Cleveland. Uh, So, yeah, I mentioned I had a little bit of tight end talk I wanted to get to today, Alex, specifically maybe kind of like mid-round and value tight end talk. So, I mean, let's begin. How confident are you in Hunter Henry this season, Alex? He's never played a full season. He missed all of 2018. Now we've got Tyrod Taylor and a highly drafted rookie quarterback who's almost, you know, certain to see some action this year uh, at the helm there at the quarterback situation with the Chargers. I mean, truly how confident are you in hunter henry this year i'm not i'm not
1: i'm not confident in anybody on on the chargers i'm not even that confident in austin eckler i don't want to i mean i'm not confident in any of them i don't think i've got a single charger in any simulation that i've done all this whole time have you ever gotten a charger i've maybe got mike williams once or twice in like the 10th round
0: well, which i, I Looking forward to speaking about that maybe a little bit later. I don't. I actually don't hate that super late. Um, I haven't gotten many chargers. I, I I still like Eckler, and that's just going to depend on his ADP. But yeah, I'm I'm very cool. I'm tepid on Hunter Henry. That's not a tight end. I'm really that interested in going kind of mid mid round in, in on. I don't, I don't feel like. that's yeah, a good I don't value either. Pick. In
1: I don't either. Run. All right. So I mean, I don't need to move any of these other guys up. But in that same tier, I'm just going to move Hunter Henry to the bottom, and we can just, you know, because we, we 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 we've been getting plenty, you know. If if it gets to, let's say, it gets to round, um, round seven, round eight, turn, right? We can then, if we're looking at the wide receivers, if if Deontay Johnson is off the board, and if, you know, maybe. Uh, Around the time C.D. Lamb starts going off the board like we took earlier, if there is an Evan Ingram, a Tyler Higby around that spot, we've been getting them. Whereas if if, where we had Hunter Henry ranked or placed on the sheet uh, in in relation to those guys, we we never got Hunter Henry anyway. So I, I don't think we need to bump those dudes up. But... I certainly like around, you know, if Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby fold around the seven, eight turn, if Rob, Rob Gronkowski and Jared Cook keep on like the eight, nine turn.
0: Which I mean, those I, are guys. Those are the two guys actually kind of may prefer at value there. So this is a great segue, Alex. And you mentioned him. How worried are we that Tyler Higby's big run occurred last year with Gerald Everett on the sidelines? He's now back in the fold for at least one more season and 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 Gerald Everett had three double-digit target games himself last year where he went on a bit of a tear weeks four through seven you know we're hearing that with Brandon in the post Brandon Cooks era there's going to be more 12 personnel with the Rams this season Higby was 11 targets per game in weeks 13 through 17 last year to finish the season it was a five-week span of double-digit fantasy scoring but well, he, looked, he time, looked like the
1: best tight end in the league for
0: a while he looked, he looked like, like the a new Gronk you know, yeah type, right. Yeah, during you know, but to be fair, Jared Everett, Gerald Everett basically missed all of the games during that stretch, with the exception of registering one target in week sixteen versus San Francisco in a game where Higby still uh, had pretty nice production. So I guess the question is, can Tyler Higby flourish while these two tight ends coexist in Los Angeles? You know, are we confident that Gerald Everett takes a back seat this year? I'm not so sure. With all the rumblings of the 12 personnel and down, Brandon Cooks, uh, you know that the the, McVay didn't give us quite the endorsement at the combine that we would have liked to have had in terms of Higby being in that Travis Kelsey, uh, uh, you know, elite echelon. So I guess you know, more I think about it, I might like Higby. a little bit more in dynasty wherever it is a free agent this coming off season and where the team will have an out on Higby, but he'll still be under contract. I, I just think there's a really important dynasty tight end situation to monitor. And it just raises the question for me. I mean, how, how, com- how worried are we that Tyler Higby's big fantasy tear occurred last year with Gerald Everett sidelined, who appears to be healthy. And with all the talk of 12 personnel uh, being the heavy, uh, you know, the favorite package there in Los Angeles this year, Alex.
1: Well, just let me hand it back to you. You're the pricing king. So what what percentage likelihood do you place on the idea that Tyler Higbee could be, you know, maybe 80 to 85% of Tyler Higby could basically be what he was. I don't think it would be sustainable for him to go a whole season being as good as he was to end last year. I'm not sure that he's one of the most most talented tight ends in the in the league, right? But maybe something close to it, right? If he could be something close to that, what is your percentage chance that you think that he could have a season like that, barring injury? Is it a 25 percenter?
0: No. 30 percenter? No, I, I 50? Fifty, and I'd say a solid fifty percent. If, if if you're telling me I have a fifty percent chance
1: of getting a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle at the seven eight turn, we need to keep fucking trying to get Tyler Higby as much as we can. Well,
0: to, to your point, I mean, the more I analyze it, I just thought to myself, you're you're not sure, and there's definitely concerns, but I think Tyler Higby's just one of those guys you're going to have to take the risk on. This
1: year. I've seen it. I've seen. I've seen it. I've seen it for multiple weeks in a row where he was winning people DFS tournaments. He, he, was, he was helping people win people fantasy championships, especially in tight end premium. I mean, I've, 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 I've seen it. He can do it. The fans have seen it. The coaches have seen it. So, you know, it isn't like I'm betting completely on the come here. So uh, if, if we think it's a 50-50 shot that he could be like that again, yeah, dude. Round eight? Yeah,
0: it's, dude.
1: We should be more aggressive on
0: the guy. Well, I think you need to make sure you're getting him at value, but if that opportunity presents itself, I do th- believe you'll, you'll have to take your chances with Tyler Higby at that point. So, yeah, Uh, you know, maybe cooled a little bit, but still very, very interested. Okay. Um, next guy on the list here, Alex, Mike Gasicki down in Miami seven plus targets uh, per game, basically down the stretch last year. Uh, seems like he's, pretty high on like that lower tier of tight ends on the sheet. And we're getting Fitzpatrick back. We may have rookie quarterback action this year. We had the viral social media video uh, from Gisicki Mm -hmm. here this last week of a insane uh, uh, theatrical catch he, he made there in his own driveway at home. How do you feel about Mike Gisicki coming off, Again, a a stretch at the end of the season last year, whereas he was a seven-plus target per game guy. Can we believe in Mike Kasicki in that weird situation in Miami? Sure. Well, I just, I, it's just like these other guys, man. Like you, you look at the tight end
1: position, and you have, you have Kelsey, you have Kittle from last year. You know that you, you can project moving forward, feeling totally safe with. Austin Hooper, who was sort of right there with him last year, you can't feel as safe with because he's in an all-new situation uh, now now that he's in Cleveland and out of Atlanta. Zach Ertz um, feels like he's – Zach Ertz is in such an awkward place ADP-wise to where I will never take Zach Ertz. Uh, I worry too much about Dallas Goddard. I worry too much about the fact that volume might not continue to be there uh, for him with the new pass catchers that they've added with miles sanders's role growing there as a pass catcher out of the backfield et cetera. Et cetera. and then besides darren waller and maybe the, maybe to some degree evan ingram you, you forget since he only played eight games last year but you forget he was basically about a 14 point per game guy right in ppr so outside of those guys did I and 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 I mentioned Mark Andrews, right?
0: Did I, I mention mean, Mark Andrews? I, I don't okay. think I did. But okay, sure so you're still pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, in Mark yeah, Andrews. Yeah. So basically, if you don't get one of those top six to seven, I I I honestly think that you know when you start looking at these other guys like like the Hunter Henrys, the Jared Cooks, the Tyler Higbees, uh, you know, guys that could come on in, in better situations this year. um. Guys like maybe a uh, well, clearly a clearly a guy like Gronkowski, uh, clearly a guy like you know Johnu Smith, Noah Fant, um, some of the I I honestly think that Mike Kosicki might have the profile of a guy that I'm more interested in than a lot of those guys besides maybe Tyler Higby, um, especially with where we're getting him right now. Can't I mean aren't we? I mean, we haven't. I'm I'm getting him in simulations a ton, and let me just look. Let, let me look at where he is on the cheat sheet. He is priced in to be taken. I don't know what off the top of my head. Hold on. He's priced in to be taken. Gisicki, sicky Pick one. Pick ten point ten point zero eight or something in a twelve team league. Ten point zero eight. That's late. I mean, you only have like yeah, three I mean, more picks left before you take a kicker in a defense.
0: I think it's a super interesting, you know, a conversation point in this draft because it's such a – it's kind of a – you know, you, how excited can you be about buying into the Dolphins offense really <laughs> well, behind, behind maybe – But Gasicki is, exp- Gis- oh, is explosive, man. Yeah, and lady. on the other hand, I mean, that's pretty big news, seven – seven targets a game down the stretch last year. I think that's now that was Preston Williams, you know, was down a little bit uh, because of the knee injury there towards the end, but that's a pretty big run on Gasicki. So another guy that, you know, obviously question marks, but I think that's a, a, a fairly calculated risk. You can take it tied in that has some upside a little bit later. Now I'll tell you, Alex, you mentioned it. Uh, but,
1: but but people should just know why, why we like Mike, Mike, Mike Gasicki. Gis, I mean, he's six foot six, 250 pounds, and he, and he, and he, and he runs a four five, 40. And he has a, And he's got a 99th percentile. Uh, not, so here I, I'll just I'll look, I'll pull up a player profiler. Okay. 96th percentile 40, a 95th percentile speed score, a 99th percentile burst score, a 99th percentile agility score, and 100th percentile catch gradius, along with a young breakout
0: age. I believe we scouted Gasicki at. Didn't we see him in was Mobile? Was he at the Senior Bowl, was. or was it somebody, Mike Gasicki? If he
1: if if if, if he was, he's probably didn't like him make as that. A, we
0: liked him just generally as a prospect. You know, I remember the we out, talked out, about that him. Thing. That was a thin. That was a thin tight end class. That, oh, Gasicki, number eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number eighty-eight at the yeah. Senior Bowl that year. So he had a good sure. Senior Bowl too. That's why yep. he was. He's been on our radar for a while now you know you mentioned him Alex uh you know was that the
1: 2018 senior bowl
0: let me look I just saw a photo 17 of him or 18
1: you. it was a 2017 season 2018 senior bowl okay yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, another tight end you mentioned Alex you know that I'm one of the industry's biggest fans just in terms of talent and I, I was I was uh even had an eye on him last year as a rookie that's Noah Fant there in Denver but my question to you is he was basically a three target per game guy last season. And now we've got Hamler, Judy, all these other folks coming into the mix there in Denver. I know we're expecting a leap for Drew Locke, but don't you think maybe Noah Fant should come down a little bit? Three targets per game last season?
1: Yeah, I mean, where do I the
0: uh, if, if Noah Fant
1: is up higher than you, than you think he should be, Byron, I feel the same way as you do. And I probably hate him even more than you because I didn't like him as a prospect as much as even you did. And I certainly didn't, I certainly don't like the situation there. And Denver, the, what, I, what I like about this, what I like about Denver is the fact that they've surrounded Drew Locke with all of these great, all these great weapons, right? Um, so I like Drew Locke, but it's a situation where I'm not necessarily interested in buying into any of those, any of those weapons just by themselves. It's like all the card pieces. I'd rather just get them all with, with Drew Locke. And here's the other thing that, you know, Albert, Albert O is, I mean, he'll already have a built-in rapport with Drew Locke whenever he comes in. That's a that's a really talk about athletic specimens at the tight end position. When we just talked about Mike Mike Gasicki, Albert O oh, out of Missouri, Drew Locke's old teammate. That guy, his his speed scores and his agility and burst scores and everything like that are, are just as good as Mike Gasicki's. He's he, he's that same kind of athlete. So you, it isn't only Hamler and Judy and the fact that Cortland Sutton is still there and the fact that Drew Locke could still suck. I mean, it's the fact that also you got another guy coming into that tight end room who's yeah. athletic and who's good. It's So if if I, I rarely get Noah Fant, if it'll make you feel better to get him down,
0: I can get him. I can move him down. I don't give a shit. Like we're not, we're 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 not getting any of them, so yeah, I'll just I move him down. You, I think you bake all that in three targets a game last year, and you got to pull the plug on Noah Fant.
1: That's fine uh, at this point
0: yep. of the draft season. I'll tell you what, Alex. I got a few more tight ends in this maybe- in
1: this situation. All right, so um, in this same tier, are you are you going to talk about T.J. Hawkinson at all?
0: Of course, you you know okay. I always talk about T.J. Hawkinson. Okay. Well, then I'll just ask you whenever you bring <laughs> no him podcast on. is complete without me pounding the table for T.J. Hawkinson. So, and that's
1: one of the sure. reasons I didn't like Noah Fant that much is because I said, dude, I just said if I'm if there are two of these tight ends coming co- coming from this school, like you want all the Hawkinson, I, I just give me Hawkinson. I mean Hawking. I I, I just thought Hawkinson was so much better, and maybe that was just sort of the reason
0: why I. Well, he was just artificially sort of deflated, my opinion. He was opinion. a big play guy, but he was just even a nasty blocker, just a, a better prototypical. Seriously, TJ Hawkinson, the best tight end prospect that we've ever evaluated coming out since we've yeah. been doing this. Yeah, right. I mean, that's been you a know, long time. Here's
1: the, here's the thing: is like you, you, you got to remind yourself of those things. You, like you got to put a pin in that and remember that the next year and the next year and stuff like that. Like those are things you can't let yourself forget. Because especially the tight end position, we've just seen the development there at that position. We've been, talk, we've been talking about this ever since we started local radio in Austin, Texas and in Central Texas. And then eventually after we got syndicated and then on to Sirius, it's like we've been saying it the whole time. We've been saying this for 11 years. When you're a tight end, you have to learn in the quarterback room. You have to learn in the tight end room. You have to learn in the wide receiver room. And you need to learn the calls from the offensive line and the, in the, in the, the offensive line room. It's a lot to take in. It's, it's, probably, it's probably the hardest position to take in on offense out, out, outside of the quarterback for a rookie. So we just got to keep reminding ourselves when we give these tight ends good evaluations. We did it with Gasicki. We did it with T.J. Hawkinson. That's why these are players that we will be focused on now as they could possibly be coming into their own. And even though with Hawkinson, we're only talking about year two, he's the kind of prospect where, I mean, we just we saw enough in one game out of Hawkinson last year versus Arizona to say that, you know, he's the kind of prospect that can kind of bend that curve a, a little bit and be, and be able to be ready in more of a two year timetable than a three to four year timetable that we would usually expect.
0: Yeah. And and it's easy to forget. We'll probably maybe get to this in the next podcast that all those arrows in Detroit start pointing back to Matthew Stafford, who, like I said, easy to forget. I think in six out of his eight games, he played last year, he was a top six fantasy quarterback. So, you know, if, you jog your memory on that. You think about how good of a prospect Hawkinson is. Um, look, I mean, we're talking about Hawkinson. Let me just finish. I mean, I ran a poll on Twitter yesterday about uh, TJ Hawkinson's prospects for the 2020 season. 10% uh, folks voted uh, that he would be a top five tight end in 2020. 65%, in fantasy? In fantasy? Yeah, 60, well, I, that's what it was implied. 65% of the vote went to TJ Hawkinson, Hawkinson as a top 10 tied in in 2020. And then a 25% of the vote went to TJ Hawkinson as a bust. So I think you bake all that in, you have tied in 18 on the sheet who, you know, is really shaping up to be, you know, more than likely, at least the sentiment industry wide, a top 12 tied in with that mega top five upside.